Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. You can have a seat. Would you please uh, turn with me to that psalm that we read, Psalm 78? We're going to study that together this morning and look at what it means to be a family of generations, finding a new day in Jesus. Um, This is my phone. I bring it up here. uh, You can see it's keeping track of how long I'm talking for, so I have some sense of what time it is. It's an iPhone 8, which was released in 2017. I've had this one since like 2019, so four or five years And the iPhone 8 was the 11th generation iPhone. Um, We're now up to the, uh, let's see, 17th generation iPhone, the new iPhone 15 or iPhone 15 Max. It's a Max, you guys. Where do you go from there? What's after the Max? I don't even know. Um, And so, you know, we think about different generations of a piece of technology like the iPhone, and it's like the next one is newer and faster and has more memory and is bigger and it's better and cooler and way more expensive, and um, we're thinking about the next generation in that way. When we're talking about generations in the church, we're not talking about technological generations. We're talking about generations in a family, talking about passing something on from one generation to another. It's not technology, it's family. And, and the first thing that we think about um, when we read what the Bible says about the generations is actually, it's not about us, it's about God. It's about God's faithfulness to the generations. That's what we read about in Jeremiah this morning, that even when a generation went completely away from God, God still says, but you can come back, come be faithful again. We read the same thing in Psalm 78. So generations in the Bible are first about God's faithfulness, and then second, they're about our faithfulness to God. We think about being a family of generations. We're just thinking about uh, the family of God doing what a healthy family does. What does a healthy family do? Well, it raises the next generation up into maturity, up into uh, adulthood, up into health, and then it reproduces. And that's what the family of God is meant to do. It's meant to grow, like we talked about last week, in maturity and through adoption, and to hand that off to a next generation. We think about this metaphor all throughout scriptures. What does Jesus tell Nicodemus when he meets with him at night in John chapter 3? He says, you must be born again of water and the Spirit. You must be Uh, like a child in the kingdom of God, in the family of God. So we're born into the family of God as as infants, no matter what our age is. And then what does Paul tell us? He says, well, we're going to grow up in the family of God then. We're going to grow up from infants and uh, from nursing to, to be able to have solid food, to be able to feed ourselves, and then to be able to feed others and raise others. Part of what I want us to do this morning is for those of us who are followers of Jesus, for us to shift what our goal is, what it is that we're we're going toward as disciples, that being a disciple of Jesus doesn't just mean our lives get better, doesn't just mean that we one day when we die spend eternity with him. 
It means actually we're growing up into adults that can then help others be raised in the household of God. That there's a spiritual parenthood that we have as our goal. And even what I want to see in the passage today, a spiritual grandparenthood that we, we should set our sights on. That's what it means to grow up in the household of God. So we want to be, as a church, we want to be a family that is faithful today for the generations of believers and churches to come. So let's look at how uh, Psalm 78 is teaching us to think about this. Do you see it there in uh, your bulletin or in your Bible? I've got the bulletin translation here. Um, starts out, the, the writer is saying, my people, or even my children, listen to what I'm saying, listen to the words of my mouth. I'm going to speak a parable. I'm going to utter hidden things, things from old. That sounds a little bit obscure to us, but the original hearers would have heard him and said like, oh, it's wisdom literature. He's got, he's got something wise to teach us, like a, like a parent does a child. Okay, I'm listening, I'm listening. You've got something you've experienced in your life. You've got something that you've learned, that you've seen, and you want to pass it on to me. Okay, I'm listening. You've got something wise to tell me. Well, what is it? Verse 3. Things that we have heard, things we have known, that our ancestors, our fathers and mothers, grandfathers and grandmothers have told us, and we won't hide them from their descendants, from us. We'll tell the next generation. What are we going to tell them? The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he has done. We're going to pass on the story of God that has happened before us, that has happened to us and with us, we're going to tell it to the next generation, the wonders of God. And then verse 5, the commands or the decreed statutes, uh, those are words we don't use all the time, the ways of life, the, the things that God says, this is what is good, this is how to live, this is how to love. He gave them to our, one of our ancestors, his name was Jacob. Um, he established the law in our people of Israel he gave them commands, and he said to teach their children the way of God. So there's two things that are getting passed on here to the next generation. The first is the work of God, the wonders that he has done. And the second is the word of God, his way of life. And we want to tell those to the children and to their children. Um, the, the writer of this psalm is, is quoting um, maybe the most popular passage for the people of Israel um, from their leader and one of their ancestors, Moses. So Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, gives this final teaching that he's handing off to the next generation of leaders and people of Israel. And after he gives this initial teaching, he says in Deuteronomy 6, he says, these commands that I give you today, the word of the Lord, are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the frames of your doors and on your houses and on your gates and fences. Tell the next generation the words of God, his way, the wonders of God, what he's done. 
So make that be what you're thinking about. Make that be what you're talking about at home and with others. Make that be what you're intentionally passing on. Some of you know I, I love baseball. I, I love playing it. I love watching it. I love coaching it and teaching other people to play it. And sometimes I can talk a lot, a lot about baseball in my home. I love the Lord. I love his word. It's been the foundation that I've tried to build my life on. I've seen his wonders and his works in my life and in the generations before me, in my family and in the world. And I want that to be what I'm thinking about. I want that to be what I'm talking about. I want that to be what the people around me hear. And then Moses gets really practical. Find physical ways to keep those conversations going in your home and in your life. Put it on your clothes. Put it on your walls. So that people go, what's that? And what's that saying? Do we do, we do this in our homes enough? I don't think we do this in our homes enough. For anyone who's in our home, that they would see art that is telling the story of Jesus. That they would see a cross there. And not just a pretty cross. Like a, a cross that says this is about the crucifixion of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. They would see in our homes the words of Scripture and, and the testimonies of what God's done. This is what's getting passed on. In verse uh, 6 of Psalm 78, look there with me. We get a beautiful repetition, a poetic repetition of the same idea from verse 4. The next generation, so that they would know them, the children not yet to be born, so children in their mom's womb or not even conceived yet, and that they in turn would tell their children. There's four generations being listed here. There's the generation of the, the ancestors who've told the writer these things, the words and works of the Lord. Then there's the generation, the second generation of the writer and then there's the third generation of the children, even those not yet born. And then there's the fourth generation of their children that they're going to tell. And this is a recurring theme in the Bible, this kind of stacking up of four different generations. There's a beautiful New Testament repetition of this theme in 2 Timothy 2 in two different ways. One, biological in a family unit. We learned that uh, Timothy's grandmother is named Lois, and his mother is named Eunice. And Paul says that these two women of God, women of faith, have raised Timothy, and they've passed on the faith to him. We don't know where Timothy's father was. Maybe he was an unbeliever. Maybe he passed away or left. But Paul honors a grandmother and a mother for the way they've passed on the faith to the next generation. And then Paul says, now, Timothy, you go do that. So there's an example of those four generations in a family system, but there's also an example spiritually in the church where Paul says, I've been a father to you, Timothy. Now you go find spiritual children that you can pass on the faith to who can pass on the faith to somebody else. Four generations. The passing on of the word of God and the work of God from one generation to another. And we want to be a church like that. 
For those of us with children in our homes or in our lives, whether children or nieces or nephews or godchildren, we want to be passing on the word and the work of Jesus to the next generations. And for our church family, we want to see new believers come to faith, be baptized as infants into the household of God, and be raised up to then share that faith with others and see others baptized into the household of God. That's the kind of church family we want to be. And that's what the family of God does. What happens when we in our lives focus on being a family of generations? When our goal moves from just what's happening in our life to what's happening next, what does that do? What does that do for how we live our lives and for how we live as a church? Well, first thing is we focus on raising children and seeing them mature to adults in the family of God, both children in age and those new to the faith. We focus on that that span of life, that full arc of life, from birth to life to death. We focus on that in the life of the church. What does that look like? Well, the Lord gives us these markers, these gifts in the life of the church that we can live our entire lives here. First is baptism, where we're invited into the family of God through adoption, through water and the Spirit. And with the gift of the Spirit, then we are healed and and matured and raised up and given gifts to serve and love others. And then our regular ongoing life in God is a life of coming to his word, having it fed to us, but then learning how to feed ourselves on the word of God and then learning how to feed others with the word of God. And then we come to the table where Jesus gives himself to us in his body and his blood And we do it all together as a family. This is the the life of God, the life of the family of God that raises us up. And so we bring our kids here. We bring our kids to the table and to the word and to the church. And so that we raise our kids here. This is their first family. And we, we bring those new to the faith or exploring the faith. We bring them here so they can grow up in God. The church gives us gifts of uh, what what the church is called sacramentals or or things that release us for our life in God or our life of ministry. Sacramentals of of marriage or celibacy for living our life in God, of, of ordination for those called as clergy or confirmation for those called to minister their gifts as the laity. The church gives us these. These are the, the markers in our life with God and then the church has this beautiful practice of seeing that final Eucharist that we have here on earth as the final marker, the final rite of passage in our life of growing up in the church. That one moment we have a last communion here with the church here, with our loved ones here, and then the next communion we have is in heaven with the Lord. So what what happens when we focus on the generations? We focus on living our entire life in the family of God and receiving the gifts of God, baptism, Eucharist, his word, his body, his confirmation, ordination, 
receiving those as we mature. We also think about healing generationally. We don't just think about growing up in the church generationally, but we think about healing generationally. We talked about this a little bit last week. God sets up the family, mother, father, children, extended family, to provide safety and stability for the raising of children. That's what the church family is intended to provide as well. But you don't need me to tell you that lots of families are really broken. We're all broken in our families in different ways. Followers of Jesus' families, those who don't know Jesus. And when our families experience those conflicts, a divorce, substance abuse and addiction, um, just different external traumas and challenges, all of these things, we receive those wounds, we receive those pains and those difficulties. But the good news of the gospel, the good news of the household of the family of God is that we don't have to pass on all the same wounds that we've received. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to pass on to the next generation all of our own sins or all of those sins that our previous generation has done. We don't have to pass on all of the traumas. We don't have to pass on the addictions, the brokenness. That, that the, the good news of Jesus is that he's actually coming and healing us and raising us in his church family so that the next generation doesn't have all of the same brokennesses that, that our generation does. I, I, I can point to the generation on both sides of my family where my family tree was touched by Jesus. My, my grandmother on, on my mom's side who came to a church plant in an elementary school and met the Lord, and you could see some transformation in her life and more in her children's life and more in her grandchildren's life. We believe in generational healing where Jesus ab- adopts us and, and we can pass on something more healed than what we've received. When we focus on being a family of generations, we're always thinking multi-generationally. We're always thinking how we can all be together as the generations. The Bible lists all four of those generations. We are all in this together. We all have a role to play. We all have something to give. We all have something to receive. And we're all in it with the same goal in mind, to grow up into grandparents in the faith. Jesus, when he's doing some of his healing and blessing work, the disciples keep the the children away from him, right? And he instead goes, no, no, no. And he brings a child right into the center of what's happening. And that's what we do as a church. We bring children right into the center of what's going on because that's what Jesus did. We invite them to baptism and to communion and to ministry and to worship. And we don't expect them to act like adults. We expect them to act like where they are in their own normal development. And we said, come do it with us. Why? Because our focus isn't just on us. It's on them. We want to see them raised up and be able to raise up their next generation. So we want them with us. And the same is true about those who are new to the faith. The same is true about those who are just exploring what it means to follow Jesus. We want to be a church where everyone is together, where we're all participating together, where church life isn't for those who look like they have it all together. 
because none of us really do, right? Church isn't, isn't just for the people who've been Christians for a long time and know how to pronounce the weird names and cities in the Bible. We're all just making those up anyway. Those are dead languages. Church isn't just for people who went to a Christian school or grew up in a Christian family or who who know the weird subcultures of different Christian groups. It's for all of us, and especially for those who are newer to the faith and newer to the family of God. What does a family do when when a baby's born into it? What does everything become about? With the baby. You need to take care of it. We want to be a place where anyone can come in, no matter their background, no matter their brokenness, no matter their um, understanding of the Bible, and be a part of our community. And so we're going to talk like that, and we're going to assume that's true. And guess what? It is true. That's happening. We want to see it happen more because we're focused on the next generation. We want to reproduce generations of infants, children, students, college students, and young adults. You know, we've been praying in the last couple of years for more um, college students and 20-somethings to be here at City of Light. We've been praying for that. We had so many fifth graders and under. We've got like 35 of them, which is awesome. And we've got all their parents in their 30s and 40s. And we've got wonderful other generations as well. But we're like, we want, we want, we want a generation that we don't have as many of. Because we want to build into that generation, and we need to receive from that generation. And you know, college and and young adulthood is such an important time in our lives. For those who grew up with faith, in a way, in in your late teens and 20s, you can be deciding whether you're going to make that faith your own. You're you're wrestling with big questions. You're, You're having to practice it, in some ways, out on your own for the first time. You're having to learn to connect to a church for the first time in your late teens and your early 20s. We want to be there as a stable and safe place to do that. And for those who didn't grow up knowing Jesus in your late teens and early 20s, you're exploring different things. And and maybe if you've never heard the good news that you can be adopted by a God who loves you and grown up in his family, you're much more open to considering that and hearing about that. We want to be a place where that happens. For that generation and for all generations. And the beautiful thing about being multi-generational is, is when you're focused on raising up a next generation, the, the, the growing up goes both ways. You receive just as much as a parent parenting children as you give, even though it doesn't always feel that way. And you receive just as much when you're discipling someone or inviting someone to follow Jesus as they are receiving from you. It's part of the mystery and the wisdom of God. As we get older, Jesus says when he brings that child into the center of disciples, he says, make sure your faith stays like that. Jesus never says he's worried about whether children have enough intellectual understanding in the gospel, whether they have enough faith, but he's worried about us, adults. (laughs) He's worried about us. I love the G.K. Chesterton quote in his book, Orthodoxy, where he talks about how God's like a little kid playing a game. You know, like if, if you toss a kid up in the air once, they'll go again, 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 and now you're in for it. Now you better be ready to do that a hundred times or more, right? He says that's how God is with every sunrise. He says to the sun again. That's how God is with every flower. 
He says, bloom again. He says, we have sinned and grown old, but our father is younger than us. He has this delight and wonder in the world that we so easily lose, but our children can teach us, and those newer to the faith can teach us. And so when we bring them to Jesus, they bring us to Jesus. When we bring them into worship, they lead us in worship. It's the most beautiful thing. When you teach the Bible to a child or to a new believer or a younger believer, I promise you, it'll reawaken your wonder. It will remind you of the works of the Lord. It will make you dig into the word of God in the way you haven't for a while and to grapple with big, important questions. It will deepen your faith. Do you want to grow up in your faith? Help someone else grow up in their faith. And we, when we think about uh, generations and we think about building into the next generation, it reminds us how much we need the older generation. In all of those um, namings of the, the four generations, they all situate us not as the first and not as the last, but in the middle. I find that really fascinating. So in Psalm 78, there's the ancestors who've gone before, and then there's the writer who's wanting to pass on things to the next generation and then the next generation. So as we think about ourselves, we think about ourselves as the second generation. We think about ourselves as receiving from an older generation, needing an older generation, spiritual older brothers and sisters, spiritual fathers and mothers who are going to pass something on to us because we're trying to pass something on to the next generation. And we're trying to teach them how to pass it on. Does this make sense that it situates us within a family needing to receive in order to give? We don't do this in our biological families very well. Think about the concept of grandparents. And if you're a parent or if, if you're an adult living your life and the idea that there's someone who's already been through that stage of life or parenting before you who knows you and loves you and who could help coach you and lead you on that, doesn't that sound like a great idea? And for a dozen different reasons, that doesn't always happen in our families with our parents, does it? Where we feel like, my parents are coaching me on how to raise up a next generation. What a loss. But we need that so desperately in our families and in our churches. And if you're in an older generation, we need you. We need you to teach us in this next generation how to raise up the next generation. We have to do it all together. Isn't that beautiful? And so we value one another because our goal is not just to grow up ourselves, and not just to raise a next generation, but to teach that next generation how to raise a generation. Our goal is to be spiritual grandparents. And that keeps us alert to the dangers. And this is actually the writer of Psalm 78's main purpose. Look at verse 8 with me, the last verse we read. That they should not be like their forefathers, that their ancestors, stubborn and rebellious, 
with hearts disloyal to God, spirits not faithful to him. The writer's saying, my generation failed. Don't be like us. Remember, don't get comfortable. Moses said the exact same thing in Deuteronomy 6. He said to the people of Israel, when you get into the promised land and, and your life is, is so much better, he says, um, a land with flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with good things, wells with water, vineyards and olive groves. When you eat and are satisfied, beware that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. How easy is it for us to be comfortable, to be complacent with where we are, to be self-satisfied, to get spiritually lazy, Keeping focused on the next generation and the next generation says there's something urgent going on here. An entire generation can leave, cannot know the works or the wonders of God. That's what's at stake. And so we give our lives to that. We don't get comfortable or complacent. Um, the, the comedian and writer Aziz Ansari, uh, he talks a lot about what it means to be a second generation immigrant in his, in his work and he says, it's really weird. He says his, his parents tell all these stories about the sacrifices and the suffering um, of coming to a new country and starting life from scratch. And, and he's like, what stories of sacrifice and suffering am I going to tell my kids? It's like, I was on a flight once that was three hours long and my iPad died halfway through. <laughs> he, he talks about how easy it is for him as a second generation immigrant um, whose parents gave him so much to be so ungrateful. Moses saw that same danger, and you all, we all have that danger of forgetting what our lives are about, of forgetting what is at stake, of forgetting what the goal is of our life in God. And the psalmist says, wake up. Remember, this is why testimony is so important. Both thinking back and remembering our own testimonies, hearing other people's testimonies, hearing other people talk about the wonders God has done in their life. So we remember, oh yes, I wasn't always safe and saved. Do you remember when Jesus saved you? For those of you who did not grow up in a family that knew the Lord, do you remember, do you remember the, the word of God coming to you and the wonder of God saving you, putting you in a family? Do you remember that? The next generation needs that and the generation after them. If you grew up in the family of God, do you know where in your family that happened? Do you know what your life would be like without him? Do you remember those moments in your life where you needed saving in other ways and healing in other ways and there was God? The next generation needs that. When we tell the wonders of the Lord, we remember and are strengthened to give our life again to the next generation. We all have days when we do this better than others. 
We all have weeks and months and seasons where we do this better than others. It's easy to feel shame when we don't do this well. But it's too important to stay stuck in the shame for too long. Or we can say, Jesus, set me back on this as my goal. Remind me again. Show me again what it means to follow you for the sake of my children and grandchildren, for the sake of spiritual children and grandchildren. Let's be a church family where all of us in all of our generations are partnering together for the sake of raising up a next generation that can raise up a next generation of followers of Jesus, of pastors and leaders, of people ready to do their work and their life for the sake of the kingdom of God, of groups, of churches, of congregations, of ministries, Let's be that kind of church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.